0: Joining me today is one of the directors that has their film featured as part of the Calgary Underground Film Festival coming up. Uh, the film in question is called Polaris, and uh, our guest today on Moving Radio is Casey Carthew, uh writer and director of Polaris. You can catch the Alberta premiere this Thursday, April 27th at 7 p.m. at the Globe Cinema in Calgary. You can, of course, get tickets at the Globe Cinema, but always, if you want to be prepared, go to calgaryundergroundfilm.org. That's the place to go to. Casey, welcome to the program.
1: Thank you so much for having me. Hi, Hi to all your listeners
0: yeah uh polaris is really quite incredible i know that even you yourself haven't shied away from some comparisons to uh let's say something like mad max um especially something like road warrior but uh i think that this this film as much as that's a touchstone to kind of give people an idea what the film is like uh it's so much more than anything george miller's done and can And completely different in a lot of different ways. Uh, Your film is set in 2144 against this harsh backdrop of a frozen wasteland. And it focuses on Sumi, played by Viva Lee, the incredibly young, talented young actor. This child that's raised by a a polar bear. So I've given like that little tiny intro of what it's about. I'll let you talk to the audience more about what exactly Polaris is about.
1: Yeah, I mean, in terms of a, of a story, it's a very simple story in many ways. The story of a young girl, uh, Viva Lee, who, as you say, is amazing. Uh, Viva Lee plays a young girl named Sumi. She's an 11-year-old girl, and she's on a mission with her mother, to follow the Polaris star to basically unlock her destiny. So in the same way as many fantasy stories are, it's a very simple journey of, uh, you know, one character trying to, you know, see what the world has in store for her, but it does have all these layers added. Sumi is an 11 year old girl. She's raised by her adopted mama polar bear. And because of this, she doesn't speak a human language she speaks the language of the bear and and has the connections with nature that one might expect an animal to have and it was very much my intention for the audience to see the world through the eyes of Sumi and so because in the eyes and the ears and all of the senses and because of this the human languages we hear in the film are co-created or they're created languages they're fictional languages that said, they're they're super easy to understand because it's they're sort of always set in action. Nobody's waxing philosophically. This isn't like sitting down, you know, smoking cigarettes, drinking wine. Like it's very <laughs> action oriented. So Sumi's always on the go. So these elements, for example, I've told you she's been raised by a mama polar bear. She's connected with nature. The the languages in the film are fictional. Um, it is an all female cast. I think the themes of the film are really meant to uh, drive individuals towards thinking about relationships with nature and the environment and environmental stewardship. So there's always that environmental ethos underpinning the whole film but it also has very much a magical element the polaris star which is the star it's one of the brightest stars in the sky it's found in the little dipper constellation it's that star that so many people have tattooed on their bodies because it's the guiding star and it's seen all across the northern hemisphere and in this world this is a a dystopian world it's set in the future it kind of looks like it's in the past but it's set in the future and and something very different about this Polaris star is that it is on the move it is moving and sort of coming and going and Sumi has a very special relationship with this star and she doesn't really know what that relationship means but it's interesting enough and it's very visually evident, their connection, her connection with the star. So she's kind of like chasing a rainbow. She's trying to see where the star leads her. And so in this way, there's also uh, themes about changes that are needed when you have the the most stable star in the sky, the North Star, the Polaris Star being on the move and and pretty dramatically so. And so the, the journey of this young girl is to... Um, to follow the star. So Sumi and her mother are out and they're following the star, but then Sumi gets separated from her mother and she's taken prisoner. And so her journey for the film, again, seems quite simple in terms of a journey. It's to escape, capture and reunite with her mother. And the only way she knows how to do this is by following the star. So this is the the action, the mystery and the, the mythology too uh, that is uh, all sort of intended to be the experience of polaris
0: we'll kind of get to to some of that stuff too as well because i don't want to give too much away about the story because i think it unfolds in such an incredible way and uh it is a very harrowing journey and i was surprised by some of the stuff i was like i did not expect that to happen (laughs) so if you think this is just going to be like oh this is just like you know one of those movies i've seen before where the kid is hanging out with a wolf and travels across the north and has a really heartwarming ending to it. And uh, and it's very gentle. I'm like, it is not that film. It is definitely informed by how harsh the environment is and how harsh the world has become. You have, maybe you've said in a previous interview, you kind of use your short film fish out of water as being kind of a touchstone of, of the beginning of this film. And maybe in some ways, a kind of a spiritual extension of it. You also talked a little bit about Greek mythology. And of course, uh, there has to be something as well because you know filming it up in uh, the Northwest Territories, Yukon specifically, right? I think in seeing, yeah, yeah, that there, there, there's that connection to the land you talk about. So clearly, those also those spiritual Aboriginal overtones there too. Talk just to a little bit about that building that world, right? That comes from what essentially at first was I think you said a, a, like a 16 page script. It's so much deeper than that, that you built upon. So talk to us a little bit about, as the writer part of you, building that world for this film, Polaris.
1: Yeah, I mean, your audiences in Calgary are no strangers to winter. So for me, I grew up in the Northwest Territories, and there's just an amazing winter palette there that is a little bit different than what you might be familiar with in Calgary. Because in the Northwest Territories, it's not completely above the tree line but but it's a very different landscape so the winter layers are are just so many different shades of white you know when i go into home depot i see you could buy like 80 different shades of white and uh and there are these nuances to them that really exist but they're also these gray rocks and then there's the sky like there's just a really interesting color palette so for me, setting it, uh, the story in the Northwest Territories was really inspired by the color palette of place. We did end up filming in the Yukon, and the Yukon has very majestic scenery as well. So it has all these whites and the gray tones, but it has, has just a really beautiful boreal forest. So you have all these dark greens. So it's a very wonderful landscape. And even though I think the film speaks to environmental changes and climate changes and, and the, you know, the science tells us that our planet is warming up, uh, coming from the north and coming from a place where winter exists for a large part of the year, I really wanted to showcase that on screen. I think it's an amazing palette to play with. And I think that's something that we in Canada have that's pretty unique in the world and, you know, is, is very cinematic when you when you're, when you love it, like, you know, sometimes it's not always fun to see uh, a winter film. You feel sort of cold and all of these things. And and maybe you'll feel that way in Polaris, but it really does build the landscape because it's so massive and it's so desolate in some ways, but it's also really rich. And in, in the film, because Sumi relates to nature, she does connect with the trees. And yeah, so it's a, a very cinematic world, I think, just, you know, and that is the, fortune that we have as canadians uh, when we film in the outdoors here because the production values make it feel like a much larger film and a much sort of extreme landscape and i think it's uh great to take advantage of it's a, an amazing visual
0: writer director casey carthew as our guest today on moving radio we're talking about the feature film polaris which is featured as part of the Calgary Underground Film Festival. Uh, you can catch the Alberta premiere at Cuff on Thursday, April 27th at 7 p.m. at the Globe Cinema in Calgary. Uh, and then we'll talk a little bit later about how people might be able to see it at some other point later on this year if you can't make it out to that screening as well. You know, you were kind of talking about this idea of, you know, Sumi being led by the star and moving towards her destiny. I guess in a lot of ways, you know, you become that as the director and the writer. For everyone in the film as well kind of leading them to whatever you know your end goal was or the hope was that the story that you'd create with these people talk just us a little bit about the conversations that you have on set because it's so different like the actors don't have this opportunity to be like oh i gotta read subtext in between the lines of what's happening here you're asking them to go along this creative journey with them uh creating languages trying to figure out What's going on within a scene specifically when there's a lot of physical clearly description about what they're doing and talking to characters about their emotional context and relationships that aren't contained within lines. They're contained within the actions and the things that happen to them. Plus, on top of that, your lead actor is uh, very young and you're trying to take this young girl through this journey. So talk just a little bit about those conversations that you have as a director and that collaborative process that you alluded to before about how you create this story with these people as well.
1: Viva Lee, who uh, was 11 years old when we filmed, she really landed the part because she is so connected with her physicality, with her body, with her expression. And this is really what the character demands because she's raised by a polar bear, by an apex predator. So we need someone who is comfortable with her body, her physicality, but also all of her emotions. Uh, You know, polar bears aren't vegetarians. They have a real kind of brutality about about them in some ways, but it's all just part of their character. So for me, casting is always the most important thing a director can do in so many ways, because once the the actors are cast it's up to them really to take on the role i mean as a director you can take credit and have those conversations but really you know the job is is over to the actors and and that is their skill that is really their talent and viva plays sumi was just phenomenal she really captured the energy and she really the, the film, because it doesn't have so much dialogue, as you're saying, I mean, it has about 20 words in the entire film, and it's fictional. But as you're saying, uh, it was good that you picked up, but this isn't a film about subtext. The emotions are right out there. So, so there's almost no subtext in the film. And I think in many ways, there's something liberating about having a fictional language or having an animal-like language, because you're just... In it. Like it's just it just is what you say, and you don't have to be articulate about it in the in the specificity and the nuance, even though that's part of it and that is there. But you have these big kind of emotions that you can just channel into your sounds. And I think for the actors, actually, it was very liberating. Um, for the created language, we created that language together and and we were finding it in our bodies. Like that, you know, I'd gone through the exercise of working with linguists to create a language. But as an actor, it's hard to recall a sort of, you know, a language that's not naturally yours. And I really needed the actors to feel like they own that language. So if they said the wrong thing, like they would say the right thing as long as it was in the tone, just, you know, for your audiences, um, even if you don't speak Arabic, you know kind of what the sounds of Arabic are versus Mandarin, versus French, versus English. So you know tonally if you're in that, right? Uh, space so it was really um a kind of an improvisational exercise and conversation with the actors and you know i think that was part of the fun of having a female cast and you mentioned it earlier this you know there are some uh, scenes where there's quite a bit of aggression there's quite a bit of blood there's something actually really fun about It's not every day you can explore the sort of more extreme sides of your uh, emotions and i think that was one of the opportunities the actors had was really to To channel that in there so that's also I think part of the fun but uh you know I'll leave it to them to answer those questions but yeah it it was a really great um collaboration for sure
0: and it's incredibly believable as an audience member too like you unless you're told that I wouldn't necessarily believe it and I kind of I really enjoy it when um you know a, a director will make that choice to be like you know we don't even necessarily need to have any closed captioning for 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 something like that or any uh, subtitles just because like you understand kind of where people are going what they mean with that so you did a beautiful job at making it sound ridiculously authentic (laughs) it's really I was like when I read that after I was like what oh okay I don't know (laughs) this would be based on something really happening there but it's that's a testament to what you've done and those actors have done Another layer that I think that works really well in the film is that as much as this is futuristic, it doesn't have to rely on technology necessarily, per se, making it look that way. Like, you really balance this idea of, yes, it it is uh, dystopian as a future, but it's also relying on things that are familiar to us. And another element of it was the costume design, I think, which really is... You know, in thinking about it, I thought that's so vitally important with this backdrop of, yes, there is a a wide color palette of even being up north. But the fact is, is that it makes you focus on these characters even more. And the fact that uh, you and costume designer Monica Onosco did like this wonderful job of making characters look like they crafted a lot of their own costumes they're wearing as well. Can you talk to us a little bit about maybe conversations you had with Monica what the creative direction was and also how you use some local artists as well to kind of help influence uh the design of those costumes
1: i'll give credit always to to others cuz i did not create those costumes um but the whole world and i think that's a little bit where the bad max and the arctic comparisons come in a little bit is it's a very much a salvage culture and a and a diy kind of what you can find and salvage in salvage and in this dystopian future world that is if Primarily, it's a frozen world. That's all we really see of it. You know, not a lot of things survive that. uh, But furs do and metal parts. And so you see a lot of kind of junky parts in the film. And that's because that's what's going to survive the apocalypse. That's what's going to survive the freeze. And to the credit of Monica and her team, including um, uh, Linda Leon, a, a woman who's an artist in her own right in Whitehorse, they were able to find these pieces literally to go to junkyards. And of course, there's a whole preparation to make sure they're safe and sanitized and all of that but uh, to find these pieces and they're really authentic. And, you know, as a northerner, I feel okay sharing this, but there are parts of the North that sort of look like the apocalypse hit. There's a lot of scrap metal from mining and, and, uh, cars and vehicles. So so the uh the team were really able to t- kind of take this vision of like, okay, we, you know, what would people be doing in the future? They'd be building costumes out of these salvage pieces and then actually go and salvage them. So there genuinely is an authenticity there.
0: It reads throughout the entire film. You know, your last two features that you've done as well, the The Sun at Midnight and this film as well, Polaris, both set uh in the north. You talked already about uh growing up there in this film in particular it you know both of them you talked about have a connection to nature even though we're talking mostly about polaris what is it about you this this environment that you feel that you're drawn to and connected to that you want to be such an integral part of these stories and almost kind of use it as another character within these stories
1: I grew up in a lot of countries, a lot of places. I wasn't uh, a military army brat, so to speak, but sort of similar. And I always found solace in nature. I I was a shy kid and I loved, loved being outdoors. And so all of my films, all of my stories usually have a connection to nature, whether that's a mountain, a desert, you know, the ocean, a lake, a stream, whatever it is. In Alberta, obviously, you have just an abundance of nature around, so I just always feel that's important. And, you know, a good friend of mine talked about knowing what your passion is in life. And his definition was so simple and wonderful. I I always hold on to it. And that is that, it's your passion is something you love and you love to share. And I love these landscapes, and you know you don't really see them on scene just because there isn't so much filming up north. So it's sort of a, a responsibility, but also a real privilege to be able to showcase these locations and, as you say, create them into characters. They are characters, and and for me, they, they you know I personally do have a. Uh, relationship to to those places, and that's why I want to put them on screen. So that's why they're there.
0: The film Polaris has been on the festival circuit uh, since you premiered it at Fantasia in Montreal. And so it's it's probably coming close to the end of that cycle. But also I noticed as well, Crave is one of the backers of the film as well. Uh, talk to us a little bit about if if people want to know more about the film, uh, where they can maybe find this film, especially if they love it and they want other people to see it after maybe its festival run. We're, we're hoping to see it in theaters potentially here and the U.S. and Canada and where they might be able to see it after that as well.
1: Yeah, thanks for that. I'm happy to promote the film. We did have a great festival run and and just nearing the end of it. um, It's played around the world. It's been truly amazing. And the next step is a theatrical release in Canada and in the US and we know that it will be in June. We don't know the exact day or days in which it will start, but we should be able to announce that information pretty soon. PolarisTheFilm.ca, we're on all socials, and uh, once it's had its theatrical release, it will go on to to screen on Crave, and just a shout out to our um, distributors, um, Film Option and Epic and Crave. And all the other funders, Telefilm, Yukon, Northwest Territories, you know, in Calgary, and I'm sure a lot of your audiences as filmmakers know how challenging it is to find funding. It's a real, you know, exciting opportunity to now actually have a film that you can show and showcase with audiences. And in Canada, you know, we don't have a great system for showing Canadian films on screen. We don't have the policies in place that allow people to even know that these films exist. So, yes, please. If you like the film, please just tell other people about it. Say good things, and you know that it's like word travels, and uh, you know it can it can do big things um, for that and for Canadian films as well. So, uh, yeah. But you know, Calgary. This is a great festival, and uh, I hope anyone who's uh, interested, even just a little bit. Uh, we'll, you know, take a little risk and go out check out Polaris, check out all the other films at the festival. It's uh, super, super well curated.
0: Yeah, anyone listening does not have to trust me, but uh, yeah. <laughs> I enjoy the film thoroughly. I think that you, anybody who goes and checks it out, will. And and if you're going to that films or that festival specifically, it's right up your alley. <laughs> There's no denying it, right? Uh, the film in question is called polaris we've been lucky enough to speak with casey carthew on the program today writer and director of polaris uh you can catch it at cuff on thursday april 27th at 7 p.m at the globe cinema and of course if you follow it on social media you'll be able to find out some of the other places and hopefully you're going to be able to see it in a theater uh anywhere across canada at some point in june like casey said casey thank you so much not only for the film but for your time and talking to us today
1: Uh, My pleasure. Thank you. Thank you to your audience. It's uh, awesome.